continue. Well, this is our last week on growing in wisdom. And this morning I'm going to talk about having the mind of Christ. All right, so when you're thinking about wisdom of a wise person, it's someone who makes smart decisions, right? Good decisions. Wisdom is defined by Google as the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The quality of being wise. That's what wisdom is. I found some quotes from some wise people on wisdom. William Shakespeare wrote, The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Aristotle wrote, Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Socrates wrote, The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Interesting. And Albert Einstein, who I love, I love Albert Einstein, he wrote, Any fool can know, the point is to understand. That's a good one. And then Confucius wrote, By three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is the easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. I bet we can relate to that, right? These people all have a good understanding of wisdom, what, what that means. Um, but let's see what God has to say about wisdom, but more importantly, spiritual wisdom. We're going to look today at 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can um, open to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be taking a look at a couple of passages from 1 Corinthians. Now, 1 Corinthians... Um, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, which he founded. And if you go on a map, you can find all these places and look it up in the history. It was really there. So Paul was traveling around preaching the gospel of Jesus. He came to the city of Corinth where he started a church. And he stayed with them for about a year and a half. And then he continued on his journey because back then... They didn't have the internet, or telephones, or even cars. So how, did they, how were they able to go and talk to other people? They had to actually go and walk there. And it took them a long time. They had to take boats and all that kind of stuff and walk. So Paul went down there. He stayed for a year and a half. And then he continued on his journey. Well, um, Corinth was a port town, and it had a strong economy. It was also heavily, heavily influenced by the Roman and Greek culture. Because if you're a port town, that means you have boats and you have a port where boats and trade come in and out. You're going to have a lot of different people from different areas. So you've got the Greeks coming, you've got the Romans coming, you've got people coming and doing trade, you've got people coming and staying. So they're bringing all their customs, all their religions, right? So they're bringing everything Kind of like we have today in, you know, in our bigger cities. You have a whole bunch of different people with different things going on. That's Corinth, and that's where Paul was. Now, Christianity was very new, if you remember. Jesus had just died on the cross. Um, Paul had seen him. Jesus came to him in a vision because Paul was persecuting the Christians and said, no, I need you to go and preach to the Christians. So Jesus hadn't been gone for very long, but the Romans thought... 
as soon as Jesus was di died on the cross, that Christianity, well, it wasn't even called Christianity yet, but this new thing that, that this Jesus was doing, this, the, new, the new way or whatever they called it back then, they thought it was over with. But God had other plans in store. It's not over yet. So, but it was very, very, very new. So these people in Corinth were kind of confused. You know, Paul comes and he teaches them about the good news of, of Jesus to change their lives. And, but the people all around them were doing different things. So they were kind of confused. So they started arguing amongst each other. I'm sure you guys can imagine. Someone comes in and teaches these new things. Then they leave. Then the people of the church start saying, well, I think he said that. No, he said this. Well, what about that? Well, I always grew up doing this. You know, well, we could tweak it this way. So they started fighting amongst themselves. And, they, and word got back to Paul that they're fighting. So he had to write them a letter to tell them because he couldn't get back because he, where he was. So he wrote them a, little, a letter. And um, according to some theologians, Paul wrote at least four letters to them, back and forth, and they wrote back to him. But we have two of those letters, which some of them could be a combination of both because, you know, it's different. It wasn't written like this. Paul didn't write one, you know, and two, you know. That's not how it was written. It was just a regular letter. So we have these letters today. And the one that we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians, they think it might be the second letter, and he's telling them, you know, he's kind of trying to answer some of their questions and trying to get them back on track. All right, so that's where, that's where we are, and that's where they were back then. And so, Paul has some troubles, though, because these people are, are listening to the Greek philosophers and then the Romans with all their pagan religions and different gods, and so these people were all confused. And Paul had run into some Greek philosophers before. If you read in some of his other letters, like Ephesians and... and and Romans and stuff, and he had actually confronted some of them, and they kind of got in a debate about who, and the Greek philosophers love to sit around and talk and debate, because that's just what they did, you know, so he knew, um, he knew what was, he was up against. All right, so he writes, in 1 Corinthians, he writes uh, in chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 18 to 25, he says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both the Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of the human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. That's pretty interesting, especially in the world today. This was written, you know, 2,000 years ago. And what did he say? The Jews get offended and the Gentiles think it's all foolish. Do you, do you all see that happen today? People get offended, 
and think it's foolish. They get offended if we play How Great Thou Art at a band halftime show. They think it's foolish that we can believe in a God, you know, and, and go to church. They make fun of us, right? The same thing was happening 2,000 years ago. The same thing still happens today. So we can relate to these people. And Paul is telling them, because guess what? The people in Corinth, they're probably getting made fun of too. They're probably getting put down too. So they have to, they're like, man, should we even do this? We're getting persecuted. We're getting picked on. They're not letting us play our church music, you know, in the streets or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, pretty much the same kind of things in their day. And they think it's foolish. The world considers some of, you know, that some people are wise, but these wise people cannot use their human wisdom to understand God's wisdom. These people think they're wise in, in making these decisions. Well, we should just, you know, take down the Ten Commandments out of everything. We don't need that no more. That's not relevant to us. We hear that today in the news. Because they think, you know, well, we don't need that anymore. But God's saying that, you know, human wisdom is different than God's wisdom. And they can't understand God's ways because they're too busy thinking about the world's ways. They're too th- busy thinking about the people who are getting offended over this stuff. I don't even want to get on the topic of what Captain was saying about, I'm offended by some of the music that some of the dance moves those cheerleaders had, but you know, that's all right. We'll, we'll get them safe. But the world considers, what, what the world considers wise is different. Um... They want to they act in ways that seem wise and powerful, but really, if we think about it, God, God's ways might seem foolish, but if we really start looking, God saves those who are willing to trust Him. And God's wisdom is greater. Now, the Jews thought that the idea of a crucified Messiah was an insult to God. Because remember, they didn't think Jesus was the Messiah, and they thought that the Messiah was going to come, and He was going to be riding on a horse and charging and leading the army and they were going to go kill all the Romans, right? That's what, that's what the Jewish people, that's why they couldn't believe, all right, you know, you're not the Messiah, you know, no, our Messiah is going to come and fight, you know, and he, they're going to protect us and they're going to, you know, with Jesus is saying, I'm going to die on the cross. They're like, no, our Messiah is not going to die on the cross. What's wrong with you, you know? So the Jewish people, a lot of them, the ones that didn't, that didn't, um, you know, follow Jesus. The one they're just like, no, this this can't be true. And the Romans, well, they crucified only slaves and dr- dangerous criminals. So think about that. For the Roman people, like, you're gonna be crucified. Well, you're no god. You're no savior. You're just a criminal, like the rest of these that we. That's that's what we do to criminals. We we kill them on the cross. So what are you thinking? You know. So God's ways are not our ways. They're different. The Jews also expected wonderful signs from the Messiah. When you're reading through the New Testament, when Jesus, you know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you re- when you're reading through that and you, and you always see the Jewish people coming and saying, well, I want to see a miracle. Let me see it. Prove it to me. That's because the Jewish people and the prophets, the, you know, they, they thought, oh, the Messiah is going to come and perform. I mean, he did. I mean, Jesus walked on water. He healed people. He did all these things, but that wasn't, he wasn't a magician. That's not why he came to, to, you know, do tricks. So the Jewish people were like, ah, oh, we're not sure about this. And so 
they, you know, they wanted him to prove who he was. But Jesus refused, and you know, he said, "You don't want to believe me? I'm telling you who I am. I'm the son, you know, I'm the son of God." And the Greeks, what do they think? Well, they thought that uh, God does not feel human emotions, so and he can never change, so therefore God cannot come as a human. So the Greek people are like, ah, oh, there's no way, that's not, you know, that's impossible, God wouldn't do that. They, the Greeks like to discuss ideas, and they like to speak in clever ways. And the message about the gospel was pretty simple, and they thought, no, it needs to be really complicated, but Paul preached in plain words. And, you know, a crucified God seemed to be the crazy idea of people with little education. That's what the Greeks thought. They're like, oh, those people, eh, they don't have any education. They're not really smart. They're just making up stuff, right? So this is what Paul has to go up against when he's going to preach the gospel to these people. It was harder, I think, you know. I mean, nowadays we do still have opposition, but it just was really hard for them. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he writes to these Corinthians who were confused. They didn't know what was going on. He said, no one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit, right? And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. And this is important. But people who aren't spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they cannot understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. And that's the, that's the important thing. We have the mind of Christ. Who can know these things? Who can know what you're thinking at this time? You know, like, I don't know what you're thinking. I know that... You know, these people over here aren't even paying attention. You know. And, you know. and who can know what people are really thinking? Who can know what God's thinking? But, but Paul tells them, you can. You can know because you have the mind of Christ. When you accept Christ and when you believe. And what it all comes down to is changing the way that you think. And changing your perspective on life. Instead of following the crowd... Instead of following the media or what people are putting on Facebook or the gossip of going on, we need to look within to the Spirit of God which resides in us because God said He does live in us. God's Spirit is in us. God's Spirit is around us. We can reject His Spirit. We can ignore it, which a lot of people do. We can pretend that it doesn't exist, but it is. But His Spirit does exist within us. Jesus was radical. Did you guys know that? He was radical for the time. What he was saying, his ideas and his thoughts were very, very radical. And that's why they killed him. I mean, they wanted him to stop saying the things that he was saying. You have all these different from the Jews and the Greeks and the Romans. And they're all like, no, we don't, you know, this is not good. We've got to stop this guy. He was very radical. He was teaching something very new and different from the culture, from the way it had always been, from what was popular. 
at the time. Paul and the disciples' lives were constantly in danger. Constantly in danger. That's why I tell people, why would somebody put themselves in that much danger? Half the disciples got killed because of what they were doing. If they really weren't sure that this was the truth, why would you put yourself in that position, right? They were passionate. Passionate about revealing the truth. Have you, what do you, do you I would, I'm going to pause for a second here. Passion, if you want to succeed in life, in anything that you do, you need to be passionate about it. Love what you do and be on fire for it. Whatever you're passionate about, go and do it. You know, I was watching, I like to watch all kinds of documentaries, and for some reason I was watching a, one on Steve Jobs, and I was like, oh, I'll watch one on Bill Gates. And then Donald Trump's in the news, I'll watch one on him too. What makes these guys successful? They're passionate about what they do. All of them were. They love, they're like, I don't care about the money. I want this product. I want people to have an iPhone. You know, that's what, you know, Jobs was. I want people to be able to communicate with each other. I want, and then, you know, Bill Gates, I want people to be able to run their businesses and do this stuff. You know, I want people to be able to buy luxury homes, says Trump, I guess. Right? But you have to be passionate about what you're doing to succeed. The disciples were very passionate about what they believed in. And they went out there no matter what, and they, they kept going until some of them finally got killed. But they, they didn't care because they were passionate about revealing spiritual truths to everyone because that's, they knew that it was true. They knew that the world was going down quickly. You know, all, we see it too. We think that today's bad. Start studying back then what was going on. It, go Google it. It was terrible. Some of the religions that they had was terrible. The things that they would do, it was horrible. And, it, you know, and they knew that things needed to change. People were not happy. The Romans were oppressing people. It was terrible. So they knew it had to change. And so God's Spirit was able to work through them because they were willing to allow that to happen. God is not just going to go abracadabra, poof, and you're like, oh, yay, I'm going to go do this. You know, you, you have free will, and you have to use your mind and change the way you think and let God work through you and your passions, you know, for His glory. So many people back then, and even today, were, are unwilling to listen to God's Spirit. Paul even says earlier in the chapter that if the leaders of the time would have listened to God and believed and understood his message, they would not have killed Jesus. They heard his message, but they refused to believe it. Just like Albert Einstein's quote, anyone can know, but you, know, you need to understand. I can tell you all these things, but if you don't understand then, you know, what good is it? We have to understand. We have to ask God to help us to understand what's going on, what, you know, to have that wisdom to understand. And spiritual wisdom comes from accessing the Holy Spirit. And the way to receive this wisdom is pretty simple. It's by faith. But yet, how many of us have a hard time keeping our faith in God? It's not easy when we have so many distractions in the world. And, and especially in our own minds when we're being distracted by our thoughts, like, what's going on? Instead of saying, all right, I know that God's going to take care of this, right? I've been there too. How many of us like to, we don't like to, but how, how many of us just worry? You know, we're like, 
first we're like, oh yeah, I know God's got this. And then five minutes later, oh God, how's this going to happen? When is this going to work out? Is this ever going to get better? You know, instead of saying, all right, God, I know God's got this. And just leave it at that. Go on. Keep persevering. We get into that. Our mind starts going again. Right? We have to stay in faith. We have to stay in our faith. Paul tells the, tells the church in many of his letters, because he writes a lot of the letters in the New Testament, he tells many of the churches um, that living in faith causes a transformation. I always, I always think about the Transformers. I know the kids can relate. Y'all seen the Transformers? You know how like they're a car, and then they're a robot, and then they're a truck or something? They transform into something else? Well, same thing. But I like to use the illustration of the caterpillar and the butterfly, because everybody knows that one, right? The caterpillar only knows the world from his limited perspective. How many of you have seen caterpillars? Where are they at? They're, on, they're, they're crawling on the ground, right? Sometimes they can crawl on a tree. Sometimes they craw crawl on a plant. But they can't really, they're kind of slow too, right? It'll take them a long time to crawl from like that wall to that wall. So they only know the world from that perspective. Well, but then, all of a sudden, they get in a cocoon, and then they change into the butterfly, and then what happens? All of a sudden, their perspective changes because they're flying now. They're flying, they're, they're flying higher, and they're flying faster, right? So their whole world has changed. They have a new, higher perspective. They can soar way above, and they can look down, and they can get a better understanding of the world that they live in, right? They can see the dangers, you know, I mean, when they're walking on the ground, they might not be, see somebody come up to them and step on them, right? But a butterfly can see you trying to chase it. What happens when you chase the butterflies? They fly away, right? Because they can see, but they have a bigger and better understanding of the world we live in. But it's the same way with us when we transform our minds and we have a different, higher perspective, we change the way we think, our world around us will change. Right? We might not get stepped on by that person or animal that was not paying attention. You know, because we can see we're soaring above now. We're not just wandering aimlessly, slowly, and, and not seeing what's going on. But we, we have a higher perspective. <clears throat> now, in order to receive this wisdom, we must have the mind of Christ, like Paul says. To think like Christ... And to act like Christ. But more importantly, we need to love like Christ. We need to love one another. Uh, many cultures and religions believe um, in their beliefs. They require a physical act of worship, such as animal sacrifices or physically washing themselves or even cutting themselves as acts of worship. But God doesn't require any of that for us. God, you know what God requires? God requires our heart. He requires our faith and our love. If we have faith, if we can have that faith of God, and if we can love one another and love God, our lives will change. It really will. When you're having a bad day and you're not feeling good, how does the world around you look? It looks terrible. Everything's going bad today. You wake up, you stub your toe, and then it goes downhill from there. You know, you ran out of coffee, so then, then you go to the Starbucks, and then 
then you're waiting in a long, then you're late to work, then your coworkers are hollering and acting a fool, right? But if you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, it's a great day, you stub your toe, that's okay, God, you got this, you got this. You know, I go, hey, I don't have any coffee, that's all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to get coffee and take it to work and share with everybody, and donuts, yay, and everybody's happy, right? Right? Right, Norma, she knows? Bring in some Krispy Kremes and, or some tacos, breakfast tacos to the office over here. Man, everybody's in a good mood that day. So what changed? What changed? It's the same day? It's your perspective, your attitude, right? You just change your attitude. You know what? This, this thing happened, but you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to let it affect the rest of my day. But when we let the problem happen, when we let it affect the rest of our lives, well, this, thing, this bad thing happened to me, so um, nothing ever good is going to ever happen the rest of my life, and the end. You know, what happens when we let it affect our whole lives? You know, and it doesn't just affect you, it affects your family and the people around you, you know? So we need to change our minds. We need to have the mind of Christ. Whenever, whenever they spit on Jesus... When he was going down the road there, whenever they were throwing rocks at him, whenever they were crucifying him, what did, he, did he hit them back? Did he fight them? I mean, Peter, his, Peter, his close disciple, when they were coming to arrest him, Peter cut off the ear of one of the guards. He cut it as he's defending. He's like, you're not going to take my Jesus. Ah. What did Jesus do? He picked the dude's ear up, the guy, and he put it back on and healed him. The, the very man that was arresting him, the very people that were going to crucify him, because Jesus wanted to show people how to love, how to love one another. You know? Isn't that crazy? That's radical. I'm telling you, who does that? How many of us would do that? You know, we want to fight for Jesus. You know, like, no, don't kill my Jesus. But, you know, Jesus is like, look, we got to get along. We got to love one another. This is not what God has in store for us. God wants us to love one another, you know? That's wisdom. That's real wisdom. To be wise enough to see those things, you know? And it is, it's, it's hard. Um, I mean, in our society, in our, our culture, you know, they, they promote all kinds of sorts of theories for a better life. Um, money can't solve all of our problems. I know we all want money. I know all of us in here right now, if someone said, hey, you want $10,000? Yeah. You know? But it's not going to solve all of our problems. It, it might solve a few of them for a moment. You know? But money's not going to solve all our problems. Wearing the popular <laughs> brands. You know, the kids. Oh, I have to have. You know? Eh. I mean, it's fun or whatever. They look cool. Or living in a certain area of town. That doesn't bring joy. If only I can live in... Wait, what's the richest part over here? I don't even know. If only... Huh? Dominion? If only I can live there. If only I could live by the rim. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to live over there. There's too much traffic. But it won't bring joy. Think about those people. They have to have... They live over there, but they have really bad traffic. You know, so it, that doesn't bring joy. You know? And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us. What brings, what brings true joy in, in, in our lives? You know, what brings that? And that's when we come to the point that we know that God is our Savior, that God is looking out for us, that we have faith in God, and that He is going to help us on our journey in life.
And, um, you know, God, God's the only one that can impart the spiritual wisdom. And when we seek Him, we will find Him, and He will lead us to understanding. Paul says that those who are not spiritual cannot understand spiritual things. It's all foolish to them. But those who believe and seek Him will find Him, and their lives will be transformed. But, it's, but honestly, it's up to each individual person. It's up to each of us to change our minds. Just like when we get up every morning and something bad happens, we just got to keep going forward. In our life, when something tragic, because we all have tragedy, we all have things that are going to happen to us. We all have people that are going to be mean to us. We all have people that are going to, you know, try to bully us. But what are we going to do about it? What kind of attitude are we going to have? If we allow God to help us in our lives, and we have faith, and we, we read how Jesus, what he did, and how he overcame these things, and we can, do, we can do that too, and our lives can change. You know, and I can only tell you because I've been through things too. I'm divorced. You know, I've been through a bad marriage. My dad died, you know, five years ago, which is tragic to me. You know, who is my support, my rock? My mom has multiple sclerosis, and she has a lot of health issues. You know, I know. I have a lot of things. You know, I have a teenage son. Lord, help me. Somebody help me. I had a 14-year-old, and he brings his friends over, you know, and they eat all the food in the house. So, you know, yeah, she can attest to that, too. she got teenagers, too. But, you know, we all have things that are going on, but I can't just get mad and yell all day long because then I have high blood pressure, then my physical health will go down, and... I can't do all that. So, you know, we just have to, we have to stay positive. Laughter is a good medicine. You know, we all need to go have a, a laugh a few times. But really, we need to focus on what God is calling us to do. Look for your passion. What drives you in life? What, what, what's, you know, I love teaching and preaching, and I love working with kids. That's my passion. And so I kind of followed that when God led me. So what is it for you? So this morning, we're going to have an altar call, and uh, Captain's going to play some music. And during this time, what I want you to reflect on is, number one, what is your perspective on life right now, and how do you think that that might need a change in order to help your whole life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, you know, and, and ask God for spiritual wisdom, to know what... What the, what the right thing is to do and, and to pray for faith that you can continue in faith you can um, come to the altar and pray or you can pray or see it's up to you but we're going to play some music right now Lord I come I find my rest Without you I fall apart You're the one That guides my heart Lord, I need you Oh, I
is deep, your grace is more, grace is found, is where you are. says we echo the words make it our prayer lord lord we need you as we've concluded our time of growing in wisdom and growing in knowledge of you lord and being able to walk in your ways (laughs) we pray that the one realization if anything above anything else that we take home with us today is that we need you that 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 you are the source of all knowledge, that you are the source of all wisdom, and that we can go nowhere and do nothing without you. Lord, we make that the cry of our hearts, that we need you. We need to feel your love in our lives, Lord. We need to your guidance in our walk. And Lord, we even need you to use us Make us an instrument of your way, your will, Lord, and help us to show you to others, to help others grow in wisdom in you. Lord, we need you, and we thank the fact that you were there for us when we call upon your name. And it's through Jesus' name that we ask these things, that we claim the victory in these things. It's in his name we pray. Amen.